Welcome to Deal of the Week, Bloomberg's podcast on the world of mergers and acquisitions. I'm your host, Alex Sherman. We've got a doozy of a deal for you this week. To be honest, I'm having a little bit of trouble keeping up with all the twists and turns on this one. Johnson & Johnson, the $311 billion healthcare giant, has reached a tentative agreement on price to acquire Swiss biotech company Actelion. This after J&J made an offer to buy the company for more than $28 billion back in December, a bid that was rejected, which led the companies publicly saying that they had failed to reach a deal, leading to French drug maker Sanofi entering talks to buy Actelion, only to have J&J reemerge. So I think that's where we are at this point. Joining us to help sort out exactly what's going on is Bloomberg Executive Editor of Deals, Jeff McCracken. Hi, Jeff. Hello, Alex. Um, so I want to make sure I got the whole timeline down. But before that, let's start a little bit simpler. Uh, what is Actelion? Yes. So as you said, they're a biotech firm. And, and the biggest thing that they do, they've got a couple lung medications that are poised to become blockbusters in the next couple of years. Um, and they've been a target or rumored to be a target on and off for a number of years. And in J&J, they have a company, now, not that they're careless with their money, but they are willing to spend money, and they can borrow as much really as they need. As you said, their market cap's north of $300 billion. They have an incredible, not just an investment-grade rating, but I literally think it is the highest rating in the world of any, any company that exists. So they can borrow whatever they need, and they have determined that Actelion is a perfect fit, if you will, for J&J. So as you said, they've come to a an agreement on the valuation of Actelion. Now they've got to sort out some of the side issues. Namely, that has to do with um, spinning out some some piece of Actelion that uh, the uh, Actelion shareholders would probably own and, and keep. And why is that spin out so important to a deal getting done? Well, the uh, the CEO and the co-founder, a, a gentleman named Jean-Paul Clozel, uh, he wants to keep running. He's always pushed back on the notion that Actelion was going to be sold. I think he realizes now, given the price that he's probably going to get, which is north of 260 uh, Swiss francs a share or $260 a share as well, uh, I think he realizes it's in the best interest of Actelion to sell. That being said, he still wants something to run, and he is incredibly optimistic about the R&D and the future drug potential that is uh, buried deep inside Actelion. Okay, so let's get to the timeline here. I know Bloomberg has broken most of the news on the various different machinations of this deal. Uh, so I, I believe this all started with one of our stories right before Thanksgiving, which sort of kicked off the public M&A process for Actelion. It was right? not before Thanksgiving. It was actually Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving itself. It was uh, Thanksgiving morning. I think I was sitting at a diner eating breakfast with my my family and my wife's family. When if we, you were going to say alone, that would be a pretty depressing That would be uh, pretty sad on Thanksgiving. Um no, we we moved that story on Thanksgiving. Our European team did, you know, most of the heavy lifting, and uh, they moved a story, and that was November twenty fourth. I think it was Thanksgiving. The following day, um, kind of much to our surprise, both J and J and Actelion came out publicly and confirmed they were in talks. And as you said, th- we broke a lot of the stories along the way about what the price looked like and the talks moving, you know, in a nice direction. And then, uh, I guess it was around. Uh, mid, or no, I'm sorry, early December, Sanofi showed up. J&J and Actelion confirmed they had hit a wall and, and couldn't get a deal done. And Sanofi showed up. And they were in talks for roughly two plus weeks. When that all fell apart on December 22nd, right before Christmas, speaking of another holiday, and J&J came back into the, into the race. 
this is not usual. It is it is fairly rare. In fact, I'm struggling to think of another example off the top of my head when a company publicly says we're in talks, publicly says we're not in talks, and then so quickly reemerges. Is is can you think of another example like this? Jim? No, I can't. I can't. I think partially what's going on here is I mentioned uh, Mr. Clozel. He is. One of the things that concerns the investors, the arbitrage community and the actual, you know, the, the bigger investors in Actelion, they're concerned he won't let his baby go. And, you know, he's going to have a lot of say here. That's that's why this spin-out scenario is so important, because he would probably run that and the shareholders would get to keep some of the stock in that business. And and that's probably why the first the first go around with J and J fell apart, and that's probably why Sanofi, who's had a, had a bad year in 2016 in terms of uh, deal activity, I think that's why they they hit a wall there as well. They were proposing um, a payout that would be tied to uh, Actelion drugs hitting certain targets in terms of revenue or profitability, and uh, you know J and J came back, realized they could they could probably top that or or give a little more certainty in terms of the price, and also negotiate this uh, spin out asset. Do we have any sense of what the size of this spun out R and D asset is? No, not really. You know the best the best we've been able to pick up, and this was in late December. We knew that J and J had made an offer for Actelion that valued the company around two hundred and sixty dollars a share, which is roughly twenty eight billion dollars. Now the, this was an all, an all cash bid at that at e- that time. Exactly. So we do not have any clarity on the size of that that piece that would be spun out. Just the the last story we reported, I believe, last week was they had reached a price. They were basically. Uh, had a handshake, if you will, on the valuation that would be paid for Actelion. They just now they needed to figure out the um, the size of what's going to be spun off into a new company and and how you know how exactly that would be separated out and how much ownership the Actelion investors would have, uh, et cetera. All right. So, w- given that backdrop, do we have any sense now on future timeline? In other words, with an agreed upon price, are we near the finish line here? Could a deal be announced next week? Yeah, I think we we knew it was not going to be announced before. Uh, last week was in San Francisco at J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference, which is this huge uh, healthcare event, and we were it was made very clear to us that was not going to be we were not going to see an announcement before that. But we've been we've been pointed towards the end of January for a, a deal to get done. So that's that's kind of where we're uh, training our eye is you know either next week or the week after to get a deal done. And and to be honest, our feeling is that this could be an extraordinary healthcare year in in, in overall in M and A, especially with Obama. Care and what may be replaced, and what may be repealed, and what may come into it. That's going to, you know, throw a lot of things open and make companies that seem that didn't seem worth acquiring to suddenly make sense to buy. Along those lines, help us put this deal in perspective into the broader health M and A landscape from what we've already seen, because we have in the past couple of years seen a decent amount of drug maker activity. Is this deal similar to another one we've seen? Is there outside pressure on? Let's say J and J, who you said is you know sort of pretty good at doing these acquisitions and has, I believe they have more than two hundred and fifty subsidiaries. So obviously they're 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 quite a veteran at doing some of these deals. Is there any pressure on them to do a deal like this? It's not necessarily pressure on them. What what you do see and what's been a pattern for the last couple of years is these really the really big healthcare companies. J and J would obviously fall into that category. Pfizer would be another one that would fall into the category. Sanofi is not quite as big in terms of you know market cap, but another one 
that that will find and they will see companies that are somewhere between you know one billion, five billion, maybe ten billion who have have gone through the rigors of producing a drug, getting the FDA approval, and once they see that it's it's hitting with the consumer, they go ahead and they'll pay a pretty sweet premium to add that to their portfolio. That's been a pretty standard thing that we've seen the last couple of years. Some companies like Merck, um, AstraZeneca haven't done a lot of acquisitions, so we do anticipate those guys could get uh, a little more active in, in 2017. And and you know elsewhere in healthcare, where you're going to see more activity, perhaps is going to be in the uh, in the hospital space or in the devices or in the med tech. Those are all areas that uh, I, I just every banker you talk to says those are areas where activity is going to pick up. Are there any companies uh, you know in sort of the Actelian range that? maybe we should look out for as potential targets, given the landscape you just laid out, uh, maybe that haven't been seen as potential targets, but now in this new world, you know, they're not a $300 billion company, they're a $30 billion company, but suddenly maybe they, maybe they emerge as a target this year. It, a company that we're keeping an eye on, and it's not that they're a target, but rather they're a company that seems poised to do a big acquisition this year is a company called Gilead. Uh, it's a California-based uh, biofarm company, you know, worth roughly a $100 billion market cap. They have money, and they've shown willingness in the past to to bet big, if you will, on uh, M&A. And it's been a couple of years since they've done their a, a large acquisition. So we keep an eye out for them, you know, to to perhaps do something this year, and, and another one I would I would mention again. This isn't a target, but a potential acquirer that we could see something out of is a company called Biogen, a Massachusetts company, a little smaller than, than Gilead, around sixty billion or so in market cap. Uh, they I think they've been reasonably. Um, I don't want to say active, but they've been out there letting the world know they they might be looking at it doing a, a deal or two. And just so I I and our listeners understand, there seems to be a lot of uncertainty around what exactly is going to happen with, uh, you know, potentially. Replacing and and repealing Obamacare, why then would that lead to a a, a boom time in healthcare M and A? Isn't uncertainty supposed to be sort of the preventer of big M and A? Absolutely, it is. But my, I think in six months or so, you're going to have a sense of what has been brought in to replace. Obamacare. And it may look a lot like Obamacare with just some things tweaked, some things quote-unquote improved, some things changed. Uh, what what might benefit the M&A in general is, I think, a lesser scrutiny that's going to be applied to these big deals. As you recall, the last 12 to 18 months, we've been in an environment where the antitrust officials at the Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission have been as powerful as any banker or lawyer in the M&A world in terms of blocking deals. Um, Pfizer had a huge deal that got Got knocked down by the Treasury. Uh, the two big, the, the two big health insurance deals that are going on have been sued to be blocked. If that goes away, which is what most people anticipate, if we see that scrutiny fall radically, not just from Obama, you know, to the W. Bush administration, but maybe even like the Reagan administration, which was uh, famously hands off, if you want, M and A, that will help. That will help, or that will encourage a lot of these bigger deals to to go forward. Jeff McCracken, Bloomberg's executive editor of Deals, talking about a deal we may see by the end of January, J&J acquiring Actelion for potentially more than $28 billion. Well, that will do it for this week's edition of Deal of the Week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please follow me on Twitter at Sherman4949. Jeff, where can people find you on Twitter? 
J. McCracken. J.C. McCracken. J.C. McCracken. Don't forget about the C. Also, please listen to us on iTunes, Bloomberg.com, or any app you use to listen to podcasts. And remember to rate and review the show while you're there. See you next week.